the Cartoon Contrast Broadcast, and I am Ginny. And I'm Roswell. And this is our podcast. Hopefully it goes well. And this is our first episode. And we're going to go over some rules. Yay! Yay! Alright, so to the first, the outline of this podcast, basically, we are a podcast that is compare that will be comparing animated movies to their other animated remakes and reboots and all of that. As well as animated shows. Yes. And if those animated reboots, if those animated shows have those live-action act, live remakes like Disney does, mm. we'll be covering those. Mm. Yep. But if those live-action movies get turned into animated movies, uh, surprisingly often that happens, we'll be covering those as well. <laughs> As one does. Yes. So, our rules. Rule one, there must always be a cartoon in play. Because this is, car- this is a cartoon podcast. N- rule two, the contenders must have a similar plot, be based on the same source, or be based on the other. Rule three, works that adapt only a small segment of a contender do not qualify, do not qualify unless the original was a short. Examples like music video covers of Disney songs don't qualify, but the live-action remake of Fantasia's Sorcerer's Apprentice Apprentice counts. Rule 4. Contenders based on public domain works must have a relationship to each other besides being based on the same work. Like, same actor in a role, same writer, same company, same director, same franchise, etc. Yeah. Rule 5. No video games unless there is strictly an official way to experience the majority of the game without playing it. Like Lego Batman the movie, not the not the one you're thinking of, the direct-to-DVD one. Uh, Kingdom Hearts cutscene movies. Yes. And the Living Books Read to Me thing. I'm sorry? Uh, living Books. They're, the, they're CD-ROMs things. We will discuss later. Yes, we will... Eventually get to that, hopefully. (laughs) Rule six. An entire TV series cannot compete with each other. Unless each series only had one story arc. Examples like 2D Clone Wars versus 3D Clone Wars can't happen. Because frankly, that's just... A lot. (laughs) We have to sleep and eat. Yes, and we have other things to watch. (laughs) 
Rule 7, we are going by the Academy's definition of an animated film. An animated feature is defined by the Academy as a film with a running time of more than 40 minutes in which characters' performances are created using a frame-by-frame technique, a significant number of the major characters are animated, a sif- Pardon? And animated figures in no less than 70% of the running time. <laughs> so... Gonna get my grubby hands <laughs> all over those superhero movies. Yes. So Infinity War counts. <laughs> because of over 90% of that movie is animated. That is an animated feature. Yes. Rule 8. Different edits or different dubs aren't up as contenders unless these cuts and dubs have significant differences from each other. So, sorry, Pokemon the 4Kids dub is not really going to be compared to the Japanese dub. Ah, uh, but, but the Americanization <laughs> completely transforms the narrative. <laughs> yes, those jelly donuts will be able to get to with Four Kids One Piece. Dear God. <laughs> because of that is a significant difference. <laughs> Rule 9. Fan content isn't a contender unless that fan content becomes official. Or there is a remake of that fan content by someone from said fan content. Or the fan content is adapted into the official franchise. And Rule 10. No stage plays unless the recorded performance was made for that specific recording. <sighs> you wound me. But the Cats Direct DVD film... Oh, God! ...is a contender. <laughs> oh, God, no. Which means... What have I done? <laughs> Cats 2019 is a contender. I will rip it apart. Oh. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> if we get to it, or... More likely when we get to it. <laughs> so, yes, we will... We won't be go over, going over all these rules unless a specific rule is needs to be brought up. So all of these rules will be down in the... Description. Description, yes. There it is. So, you'll have it in front of you. But please, 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 if you're... Suggestions do follow these those rules. Please give them to the give them to us. Gimme. Yes, our list is long, but it can grow bigger. It can grow so much longer, <laughs> darlings. Okay, and with that, I think we should start with our first. <laughs> our first episode, as you can probably tell by the title, is Johnny Quest. Well. The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Big difference. E- Eclipse versus Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. <laughs> now, I think we should start out with our experiences with both of these franchises. All right. Could you please tell us about your experiences with Johnny Bravo? I mean, not Johnny Bravo. <laughs> Johnny whoa, Quest. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I remember seeing a recurring commercial on Boomerang growing up with a Johnny Quest board game that I don't know if it is an existing board game or something they created specifically for the promo with the little action figures of Johnny and Haji and his dad who just looked like a white-haired Ken doll, but that's (laughs) fine. Um, 
having a little misadventure. And that is the extent of my interactions with Johnny Quest, unless you count the 2000s Cartoon Network show Johnny Test, <laughs> which I don't. That is a completely different production. Mm. <laughs> now, my experience with Johnny Quest, it, like uh, yours, uh, I grew up with the same boomerang promo yeah. with the board game. I also caught a few episodes of Johnny Quest. I caught the end of one that was like in, uh, there was a boat sequence. Uh, there's a, I know there was one with a pterodactyl. And a few years ago, I got a VHS tape from Goodwill. Don't judge me. Uh, Baby, no judgments. Come <laughs> no on. Judgments. It's cheap. It's probably worth it if you have a VHS tape. Fine treasures. Yes. Treasures untold. And that one had an episode with a giant crab. And Johnny's got crabs. Oh, God. <laughs> He's too young for that. So you say. Well, there, is, there was also an episode, I, if I'm recalling right, that uh, there was like a woman who tempted the white-haired guy, one of Johnny's dads. <laughs> He has multiple. I mean, yeah, pretty pretty much. Is he a Steven Universe? He collects fathers? <laughs> I mean, they were probably there. Yeah, they were there from the start. I, there's a doctor. I, I think that's his dad. And his bodyguard, in big quotation marks. Bodyguard. Yes. His Basically his dad. <laughs> live-in best friend. What's the dude version of Gal Pals? <laughs> um... Bromance yes, buddies? Bro, yes, bromance buddies. Right. Yes. If that's not it, that's canon now. It's, it's canon. <laughs> yes. We've decided. Now, what's, our, what's your experience with Scooby-Doo? <sighs> okay. Well, Scooby-Doo has been a part of my life, honestly, for as long as I can remember. And one of, if not the biggest, uh, influence on my life with the Scooby-Doo franchise is actually the one we're discussing today, Zombie Island. It was... I have a collection of movies that, I, that I'd like to think kind of had a hand in raising me. They are part of what made me who I am. And one of those movies is Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. Um, but I have loved every incarnation of Scooby-Doo. Oh my god, even the god-awful live-action one because I was too little to know the difference when it came out. <laughs> to know how bad it was. Um... But, oh, I grew up with uh, a puppet named Scooby-Doo, oh, yes. Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. And I grew up with the old Scooby-Doo, because they were reruns, and uh, my mom, she grew up with the original Scooby-Doo. That and hearing the 1960s, 1970s Batman theme song was what would have her running through the house to get to the television. Um, so I kind of had that closer connection to the original series than I think a lot of people my age have anymore with having an older parent. Um, but yeah, I, I loved, oh gosh, the two biggest ones were probably Zombie Island and uh, what's the name of the one with uh, The Witch's Ghost. Yes. Oh, and Ghoul School. Okay, those are my top three. Yes. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> Although, of course, I love the cyber chase and oh gosh, I, I could gush for hours, yes. but I'll stop so you can talk again. They're... They're honestly all really good. They're so good. Also, fun fact. Yes? The live-action Scooby-Doo movie uh -huh. was originally going to be rated R. It was produced as a rated R film. And Velma was going to be a lesbian in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, because of obviously. About de- either she's a lesbian or the entire mystery gang is a beautiful polyamorous relationship. You can pry that from my cold, dead hands. Uh, I won't. I promise. But they, eventually it got cut down to like a PG rating. Yeah. That's why, yeah, that's why it's kind of weird. Well, that's probably what we'll get to it when we eventually cover those. Yeah. But like my experience with Scooby-Doo is very similar to yours because of like, I don't think there is a moment in my life that I haven't had Scooby-Doo in Yeah, it. in some form or yeah, another. Yeah, because, like, Scooby-Doo, if you're probably, like, anyone in the world, like, you've had him in your life. At, at least, some point. At least before, like, if you were born in the 60s. Oh, oh my god, yes. And especially those college kids in the 60s. Yeah, and if not Scooby-Doo, <laughs> then one of the many, 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 many recolors. Yes. <laughs> and rebrandings. But the same good old formula that keeps us hooked. Yes. Now, since we've gone over our little experiences, I think we should actually go over the plots of these movies. And we should probably start with the one that came out first, Johnny Quest. The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, the Eclipse episode. Mm, Yes. Little Field Trap. excused unless they have a note from mommy all new episodes of the real adventures of johnny quest weeknights at eight on cartoon network uh basically we start out with a dark louisiana street and a woman running and uh uh like a monster hunter i guess we don't know this (laughs) We don't know it at the time. As yes. the audience, we aren't privy to this information. There is a man with a gun chasing after a woman in the street. And then she disappears, and eventually he disappears. <laughs> Into the Louisiana fog. And then we go to the theme song, which is very, very good, and it's like the first time I've ever heard it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And this is like the first time either of us have seen... The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. <laughs> no, yeah, this I, I had I did not know that this series existed until we decided to do this episode. I knew it existed because of it was on one of many like Warner Brothers animated box sets I had as a kid. Ah, yeah. I believe yeah I believe it was the What's New Scooby Doo like a Safari DVD one. Oh my God, What's New Scooby Doo? Best theme song. Ever. Yes. One of the best theme songs One. ever. What's new Scooby-Doo? Oh my god. But back on track. Yes. Uh, so we cut to Johnny's two dads leaving the Haji and his brother Johnny and Jess. Just alone. Alone uh, in Louisiana. I mean, they go through this all the time. They're like adventure kids. Right. At least... I know Johnny and Haji are. I'm pretty sure Jess is too. Oh, Jess can hold her, hold yeah. her on in a fight. Totally. But they're here for the eclipse. Yes, they're supposed to be this grand astrological event that is plot device happening. Plot yes. device. Plot device. Plot device. The plot device. Deus ex machina. Plot mm-hmm. device. And then a similar scene from the beginning happens in the 
Louisiana. No. After they arrive. A similar chase occurs where they can see it going down. Thank you. Uh, And then they interfere. Johnny almost gets shot. Fun times. (laughs) Yeah. Haji jumps in first. Yeah. And then Jess follows. I believe. Yes. Believe I can't quite remember. I'll, it was it was a grand kerfuffle because all they yes. see is a woman running from a from a man with a gun, and just like anyone, you know, they're like, "Hey, that's not kosher." <laughs> and must I say that like these designs are really good? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like they've really perfected like the like they kept the Hanna Barbera tradition mm-hmm. little design, but like grew it up a little bit. And nine not nineties five did like. Made it cleaner, I guess. Yeah. More stream... Not streamlined. <sighs> More modern, I guess? Mm. More complementary to this... Iteration? This kind of action that ah. they're experiencing. The the more... The higher stakes. It It's a compliment... Uh, they figured out the formula, formula where they complemented these familiar characters with higher stakes with kind of a harder storyline and produced this lovely little feature. And Johnny Quest has like always had those like giant, well, not giant, moderate stakes. It's because it was like an action series that was based on pulp. Yeah. Yeah. And so they... Do a little tussle, and Johnny gets his skateboard... Not skateboard, hoverboard. Hoverboard, excuse you. It's Back to Future hover, hoverboard, not yeah. the those windy things that you see. Or did see. Are they banned now? I don't know. I've seen so many children just eat it on those things, and... <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know that some could caught on fire. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, as... as I understand humanity. No, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Anyway, where were we? Uh, so, jo- yeah, Johnny gets his skateboard stabbed by a cane staff by a great des- another great design. Yeah, that, that, that little action was kind of funny to me. The old man in Louisiana, of course, has a cane that doubles as a sword, a la the Victorian era man, obviously. And just completely pierces through the board, despite the action being... A swiping motion. He stabs through the board instead. But needless to say, in the kerfuffle, we notice that a bullet from the man's gun does get lodged into a building, and we don't visit that until later on. Yes. So, uh, they start talking, and strangely, this woman is like completely fine with this situation. And the cops are like very loud... Very plainly disregarding the situation. Like, this is Louisiana, man. Or, or s- this is a woman, so obviously we don't believe anything she says at face value. <laughs> well, well, it didn't come from them. Well, yeah, her explanation, they believe, is just like, oh, this is just fine. This is fine. Yeah, they don't do anything. Yeah, like they don't cops. do anything. Yeah, like cops do. Or don't do. Yeah, or don't do. So... They, she starts flirting with Haji a bit, and that... Oh, right out the freaking gate. Oh, as yeah. As soon as she sees a shiny. Yes, yeah, a shiny, shiny emerald on his, uh... Not emerald. It's like a ruby. Yeah, a ruby. Some kind of red gem. A jewel. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not sure what... Very Jasmine and Aladdin of 
Was he entranced by her beauty or the beauty of the witches, the witches, the riches she clearly wore? <laughs> I'd like to wear some witches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, me too. Oh, darling. Uh, someday. So we... Where Haji, my GF at? Haji goes and uh, offers this woman a ride. She accepts and then Johnny and Jess... They hop into the patrol car because if Chess is not going to ride with Johnny on his little hoverboard. Oh, hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> you so... think ice skating is hard? Oh. Mm, no, no traction whatsoever. Just like a banana peel. So they go... I think they went to the hotel. They went back to the hotel. Well, Haji's just off with this clearly adult woman. Yes. I think... She... Yeah, I think they played out... As teen, but she's clearly not drawn as a teen. No. she. They do say that she was recently adopted. So I think that they were playing it out. They were trying to play her as like maybe 18, yeah. 19. But she looks to be in her mid to late 20s, if yes, not early Yes, but 30s. she is, as we find out later, like much, much older. Much older. <laughs> so the, the mystery that, well, the current... Oh, the current situation that you see is proposed as, you know, she's younger, like Haji's-ish age. He's in her wheelhouse, even if she shouldn't be in his. Yeah. So Haji uh, falls over, head over heels over this girl. Not, because she's pretty. Yes, because she's pretty and because of she's hypnotizing him. Oh, yes. So, Haji goes back and then he flappers about her. And... Just gushes about how pretty she is. Can't, re- can't repeat a word she said to him, but she's so beautiful. And she's so... He's <sighs> so in love. And Johnny thinks nothing of this nah. because of he's a guy. He's, they're both they're they're all teenagers, so yeah. it's just like, yeah, you had a crush on a different person yeah, every Johnny day is for the, the past month. Typical teen, well, not typical teen, the typical adventure teen. Yes, the typical adventure teen. Just hi, I am your demographic right here. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's hip with the kids. Yes, and he's not he's not a poorly written character. He is clear, he is not at least to me not really annoying. No, he's he's he never comes off as annoying. He does come off as a little flat in some of his uh, personality traits, but that's largely because of the uh, kind of neutrality of many uh, protagonists that you can see yourself in their shoes, so they don't have an overstated personality or their personality is very uh, formulated. Yes. And then Jess, of course, the smartest person in the group, is caught, catches wind of this. Like, I don't trust this woman because of obviously something is up. Because of, if you're a bit older, you, uh, a bit older of the audience, that's a word, a phrase. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that something is up because of this is a show and this is a plot that's happening. Oh, yeah. So, you know. It's just like, oh yeah, she's up to no good. And Jess is just like, "Mm mm-hmm. So, she follows them, and then, for some reason, I don't remember why, or they didn't mention it, this woman is 
very, very, very into the idea of this, having this jewel that oh, Haji yeah. has on his... She is smitten with it, you might say. Yes. I, it's not... I don't think it's magical. Or... What was the... What was the cause for the... Oh. I don't think there was a cause. No, she wanted it, but... Or... I... She was it was it because the jewel was a symbol of Haji's wealth and standing in this other country. That may be it. Because if she does mention it later. Yeah. That his home country sounds like a nice place to spend some time. Yes. Soon. So we'll get we're getting to that. Basically, she when they're talking at the park she sees Jess and then she takes Haji. She does take Haji, I guess. She does take Haji. But the whole time that they're talking, she is hypnotizing him. She asks him about the jewel, and that does break it for a moment. He's like, uh, this belonged to my mom, and I just met you. But a little extra power in her hypnosis, and he's th- he's handing over this jewel to this person he just met. And this sends off every single alarm that Jess has, even if she couldn't hear the conversation. She saw him hand over the jewel, so she knows shit ain't right. And I'd re- that's really great writing, actually, because of, like, we really don't know much about Johnny Quest. No. Besides our limited experience, but from the writing and the stuff we see from this, we know that Haji's jewel means a great deal the to The world him. to him. He yeah. wouldn't give it to anyone. So, uh, basically, uh, her driver... Her servant, I guess. Oh, yes. He seems very attached to her. (laughs) Yes, very attached to her. Yeah. So he cuts the Monster Hunter's gas. Yeah, his gas line. The Monster Hunter has been stalking this woman this whole time, following her and watching her as she has been making her moves on Haji, while this woman, this hypnotic beauty has had her servant in the wings making sure that the monster hunter never gets too close the this butler or servant or whomever has cut the man's uh gas line gas line in his car so mm-hmm. that he can't continue to follow them as he has been yes so he goes the monster hunter goes chasing after jess and uh she almost gets hit by a what's it called a trolley yes a trolley yeah and then Johnny, in the nick of time, saves her. Obviously. After he goes to a crime scene and sees... He rece- he uh, remembers the bullet. Yes. And retrieves it to try and figure out what is going on. Because... And he sees a corpse that leads to that bullet. Oh, well, yeah. The um, realization of the bullet being in the wall. Yeah. Uh, apparently the local police have been finding these bodies of people that look like they have had every life essence drained from them. Like, And I really respect that decision. Oh, yeah. Like showing actual corpses on a children's, well, yeah, children's show. Yeah. Especially like a Hanna-Barbera show. And it was really detailed. Like, they really went oh, into, yeah. like, you can tell they probably looked into, like, and mummification like, like, and stuff. And it, it was, wasn't, like, glossed over at all. It was oh, no. Like, oh, poor guy didn't have a chance at... No. Yeah. They didn't dwell on it. They weren't like, look at how gritty this is. Oh, it, yeah. But it, they didn't <laughs> shy away from it, but they didn't dwell on it to the point of it being obscene. Yeah. They mm-hmm. did it very artfully. Very. And so, eventually, everything, all of that gets cleared up, and they lose the Monster Hunter guy. So, they go back to the hotel, and Johnny is, again, 
waving this off, even though he found a silver bullet. Yeah. Uh, but so, this is his life. Yeah. I mean, he, he experiences so much of this, so much of the time, he probably can't even think to connect it with what's going on with his friends. He probably just thinks that his friends are just going through weird teenager stuff, like I'm sure they've been doing for a couple years now. Yeah, and she's just a beautiful stranger. Yeah. She, she, nothing could be possibly wrong with her. No. No. Not even her kind of fluctuating, vaguely European accent. Can't tell if it's supposed to be French, Romany. I, I mean, she German. is a very, very old creature. Spoilers. <laughs> How could you? I mean, you sh- probably should have watched the episode before listening to this. Spoilers, by yeah, the way. Spoilers. We are going to spoil all of this. Everything. If you haven't. We're going to spoil your whole life. If you couldn't tell already. <laughs> We're going to talk about Earthang. So, ha- she Jess is frustrated and goes to see Haji. And I think that Jess has a little crush on Haji, which I kind of like. I don't. <sighs> yes, I agree with you. Yes. There is some romantic tension, I think. Or at least <laughs> a feeling of jealousy, whether it's romantic or platonic. But the idea of her being more romantically inclined to Haji than our main boy Johnny, I definitely like that. Yes. Especially since Haji seems like such a sweetheart. Oh, yes. He's uh, a darling. And so she goes and tries to find Haji, and Haji finds her. And he goes and takes her to the... He's been invited yes. by the uh, this lovely lady of the night to meet with her and her elderly adoptive mother at their home... Plantation? Plantation, I guess? Mansion. We'll go with mansion. Large southern house. Yes. So they drive off, and Johnny is none the wiser until he they just dri- until he sees them in the distance driving off. Like, huh, that's weird. Yeah. So he goes and gets his hoverboard. It's really hard to say not... It's really hard not to say skateboard because yeah. of... It's the like, 90s. Well, if you guys are going to leave me, I'm going to go watch the eclipse all by myself. <laughs> so he almost gets hit by a carriage because of Monster Hunter is chasing after him. Trying but... to get to Haji and Jess. Yes. And why did Jess go with Haji? Did she insist on it or did Haji tell her that... Haji insisted his... on it, I think. Yeah. There was something compelling him to make sure that Jess came Oh, no, no I remember. Haji wanted invited Jess... Because of he was invited to see the eclipse at uh, this woman's place. They're thinking that they're going to a lovely dinner to watch an astronomical uh, anomaly, astrological anomaly. Maybe astrological. That's it. That's the word. Yes. So okay, we're still recording. So yeah, and then Monster Hunter picks up Johnny, explains the situation. Like oh this, yeah. This and woman stole my sister's face and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, stole her life force, and it was like yeah. 50 years ago, and then he shows her, shows him this picture, and it's like, oh, that's the lady, and then turn the photo over, and uh, nobody could have written this in like the past 30 minutes. Oh, yes. Earlier, because... Way it's, earlier. Yeah, it's like nine. This is like the third act. Yeah. It happened, like, we'll say afternoon, to be generous. Yeah. When the gaslight was Either gone. like around lunch... Or mid-afternoon. And it is, like, going close to... Midnight? Ten to midnight, yeah. yeah. So that gas line should be out by now. Way out. But 
That doesn't matter because Johnny has his hoverboard. <laughs> yes, that he lets this old man piggyback him, or he yep. piggybacks the old man, and they somehow manage to get to the house on the hoverboard, both of them, without just whiffing it. I don't... Johnny has got to have the most ridiculous muscle control <laughs> of any tween teen I mean, boy I have ever did eat met. shit when he almost crashed into that horse carriage. Oh, yeah. In multiple senses, eating shit, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, before they get there, one of the French monster hunters guys gets murdered. Oh, yeah, he gets, he gets sucked. He gets sucked hard. And I'm not sure how this guy can afford these guys. Like, they must they must be relatives or, like, part of the same cause because of... Yeah, probably other people who have experienced this weird shit and they're just like, I will die to get rid of this creature from, from our lands. So they arrive there and uh, she's going on about how she's going to absorb Jess and pro- probably get the... Uh, Haji's home country's people as uh, servants, and Mel Servant is not having it, because if she leaves, oh, I'm not her servant anymore. Yeah, he has been disillusioned into thinking that he's much more important to her than he really is. Yeah. So, she goes... The whole ploy, though, was, she wasn't after Haji, mainly. She was more so after Jess, because she needed a new face, a new life, which is what she does every 50 years or so. Yes. And this and is what the eclipse sig- signifies. Haji she... is a bit of a plus. Yeah, oh, yeah. Haji is sweetening that pot, baby. Yes. So she has enough of this guy's shit, and he, he just absorbs him. Yeah. Life force, not uh, physically absorbs him. He's still a corpse. Yeah, he, <laughs> he basically becomes a mummy in like 0.5 seconds. She did not vor him, folks. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe next time, friends. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. So Johnny and the monster hunters show up, and they get in a little tussle. And uh, eventually, Johnny and Jess hop on their hoverboard. Well, Johnny's hoverboard. Yeah. And they get out of there, and this and this fantastically animated chase. Oh my god, it's beautiful. Yeah, most of well, like, yeah, all of this episode is her worse. physical form just rips apart, and she becomes this freaking vampire. Creature, beast. Uh, makes me think of that Van Helsing movie with friggin' uh, Hugh Jackman, only good. <laughs> yes, Van Helsing. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. And like the bat transformation was really smooth. It was beautiful. Yes. It was, oh god. And I was like, Ugh, delicious. I not. Sh- I feel like it's really hard to make like a transformation like that be really smooth. Yes. That is very difficult. Instead of like... Hundreds of hours. You could have just been like, Flash, she's a bat now. Oh yeah, no. They go through every second of her turning into this amorphous bat-like creature. Just... She does an Animorph book cover. (laughs) Oh my god. But so much better. Like, the design is so... It's like a bat, but it's it's like... It just gives you a... Supernatural. It gives you a lecherous feeling. Like, this is a leech. This is a parasite. And it's From hell. Yes! It's not like a vampire bat. It looks like... Even though she's very much a vampire. It looks like a demon parasite, is what she looks like. Yes, and and she is a parasite. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And all of this episode... Well, most of this episode, we'll get to that. 
is beautiful. Oh my god, yes. I was so blown away. So they get in a little tussle, they get out, and the eclipse is happening. Time They're is hovering up. over a river going full speed, and she's over them it is flying. It a fantastic kiss. Picks up Jess with her talons. Oh, and the screaming. And Johnny... Jess is screaming the hell. Oh my gosh, screaming her head off. Now that brings me to my other point. The, the voice Do acting? Do you know who voiced Jess in this? Oh, was it, um... Uh, something gray or uh, Griffin? Or... Gray Delisle. Something, something Delisle. It was not Gray Delisle. Damn it! I forgot to write it down. Let me Google it. Professionalism. Uh, this is our it? first. This is our first try. Yes. So, if y'all will be patient, we will be appreciative. Da, 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 da. No. Da 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 da. Da, 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 da. Please don't copyright strike us, Jeopardy. We promise we'll be good. We can edit this out if you want to. Okay. But now. <laughs> well, now we have. Well, now we'll keep it in. So you say. A little behind the scenes, folks. We'll do it live. Well, fuck it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. I will make so many references to funnier people. Please forgive me, and if I can, I will mention where these jokes and references come from so you can give the proper people the uh, credit they deserve. Because I am not funny on my own. Oh, come on, you're funny. I'm only funny when I'm not paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, finally. God! I have got it! Huzzah! And... We have... Your guess is Jesse. Who do you think it is? I said Great Delisle, or, um... Didn't Great Delisle become the voice of Daphne? Yes. That's why I was thinking it was her. It is... Jennifer Hale. Do you know who Jennifer Hale is? You're going to tell me. I am. You may know her as the voice actress of Black Cat in the Spider-Man the Animated Series. Oh, hell no! Yes. Oh my god, my sexual awakening! <laughs> There she is. She was also Mary Jane in several of the Spider-Mans. Yeah, but Black Cat. Yes, but Black Cat. <laughs> but Black Cat. She has played Black Cat multiple times out of that. Dear God. Yes. She was also Cinderella in the directed DVD Cinderella Disney sequels. <gasps> yes. <gasps> oh my gosh, yes! I know her! Yes! Not, not like... Personally. Personally. Hopefully. Maybe. One day. (laughs) Professionally, at least. One day. That would be a dream. And... You know who my dream is. She was also the person that played, uh... What's her name? Killer Frost. The most. She started out in the Justice League series, I believe. Killer Frost. Didn't we just see her... We were watching Justice League action. Is that who that was? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. I don't think it was Jennifer Hell. I mean, but that, was char- that character, Killer Frost. By the way, if you haven't seen Justice League action, watch it. Watch it. It's great. It is so good. Oh, great. From the writing to the... Oh, my gosh. The voice acting. The, Hopefully we'll get to it one day. <laughs> the audio design. The, the fight sequences. It's so good, you guys. Also, she had, was the voice of Silver Sable the most before being recast in Spectacular Spider-Man and the Spider-Man PS4 game. So. As it happens. Anyways, back to that action sequence. <laughs> she's screaming her head off because she's just been plucked from supposed safety of 
zooming across open water by this demon leech bat woman that wants to steal her face and her life and, I guess, eventually bang Haji, possibly? I don't think so. He's Maybe not. At least She's too marry good. Haji in a professional yeah, sense. For, for, the, for the look of it. Yes. So people will understand her taking literally everything he's ever known and loved. Yes. So Johnny pulls out the silver bullet from his pocket and places it on her. Yeah, he like pushes it into the ankle that of the talons that are trying to grab his friend. And so she just drops the guy into the lake. And she's all hope seems lost until good old Haji has his the silver staff from earlier and just There was a silver staff? Well, it wasn't a staff, I guess. Oh, the the cane. The old yes, the monster cane. hunter's cane. The sword was made of silver. Yes. So he just chucks the thing at her. Oh, yeah. And, of course, he hits the mark because of this is Haji, and he He's is... He's Haji. Yes, he's Haji. Moving target three miles away don't fucking matter. I don't have to bleep myself. We can cuss. Don't fucking matter. He's got gotcha. you. So he hits the target. She dies in a spectacular manner. Jessie. Oh, my... Just as beautiful as the transformation is her death. Yes. And then Haji and Jess... Well, Jess falls into the lake, I guess. Yeah. And then they sort it out with all the police, and the police were like, Oh, she's had this woman in a trance for like six months. Yeah, the old lady and that had adopted her. Must has... have had all of us in a trance. But I don't... <laughs> yeah, uh, little, if you believe that. <laughs> little blurb. The reason why the silver is so often used as a method against things like vampires, things like demons, is because... Uh, there was a time where silver was considered a holy metal. I think this is right. Y'all need to fact check me on this. Yes, always fact check. Always fact check Check us. Don't assume that we know anything about anything. <laughs> um, which is why we're making a podcast. We're huh? two idiots with one brain cell. Oh my god, yes. Um, but anyway, and that's part of, from what I've heard, that is part of the reason why there started this rumor that vampires couldn't see their reflections. Because back in the day, old, old mirrors were backed with silver. And silver is a holy metal, or was considered so at the time, and would not reflect the image of the devil or any of his minions. Hence why vampires wouldn't be able to see their images and their, their reflection, and silver could be used to just fuck up a lecherous... I keep using that word. A, a, a bat demon lady that wants to take your friend's face. Yes. So, they sort it all out, and... All uh, all is well that ends well. I Just guess. another adventure under the belt of Johnny Quest. Da, na, 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 na. And then we go into this awkward CG sequence. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, and then there's some very sciencey stuff that we don't really understand, like some wave stuff. It's either sound waves. Well, no, it's definitely not sound he's, waves. He's writing data. Yes, he's writing data like And no, this is not a Star Trek fan fiction that we're talking about. <laughs> Joy no, of the Forge, you it's rascal. Very much Tron. I I know that this was invented by Johnny's dad, this data AI thing. This data world like Tron. Yeah. It's basically Cyberchase. Yes, Cyberchase. Hey, where my Cyberchase family at? Y'all know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm. Cyberchase, we're never moving. Wa- we're beating Hacker at his game. We, I never really watched that. 
Oh, you tiny, it tiny was baby. Math. Math is not my favorite subject, and it never was. <laughs> but there was Hacker, and he was green. And there was Bird with a baseball cap. Voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. Voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> very, very typecast right there. Oh, yes. And I'm pretty sure um, Hacker was voiced by, uh, oh, he has two first names. Christopher Lloyd? Yes. Yes. So. Doc Brown and Back to the Future. Yes. And also, obviously, the Page Master. What's wrong with you? Yes. Page, page Master. Master. So, it's not a great CG six months. Oh, and also the Huntsman, or the, the, yeah, the Huntsman, I think, in Over the Garden Wall. He was also a voice in Over the Garden Wall. If y'all haven't seen that, watch it. Yes. Anyway, yes, Data World. Yes, Data World, or Quest World. I, yes, it was Quest World. I think it was. I have not watched the entire series, so you can fact check me. This is our first uh, episode that either of us has, has watched of this series, right? Yes. And I'm happy with it. Yes, like, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really happy with I'm it. I'm ready for more. Yeah. That CG sequence was weird, and I know that from a little research I did, uh, that they do some extended episodes in that CG world. But... Uh, Like Code Lyoko, but like before before cartoons should have tried to do that. I believe... No, this... I I think this was after Toy Story. Yeah. I think so. Probably. This was definitely after VeggieTales, which VeggieTales looks much better than that. Especially nowadays. But there is a reason for that. This series had a very, very troubled production. Alright. The original showrunner that created this revival of Johnny Quest, he was fired because of, I guess, uh, different creative visions. Mm-hmm. And one of the CG crews, I have it right here. The show was a difficult production loss for the company. Merchandise performed poorly. The ratings weren't meeting expectations. The CG company went into debt and shut down. And the show's creator was fired, as I've mentioned. And season two completely recasted. Besides Frank Welker. Oh, God. Well, obviously. You don't. You don't recast Frank Welker. No, you don't. You, you just don't do that. Yes, we don't cast, Frank, recast Frank Welker. If you do, we will find you. Yes, Scoob, we don't recast Frank Welker. <laughs> Freaking find you. Anyways. Nice. Yeah, but do you know who, well, this was a season two episode we watched. Do you know who voiced Johnny in the first season? Hmm, no, who? He... You may not know him by name. I probably won't. But you have you heard of The Biggest Loser? Vaguely. It is a weight loss reality television Yeah, series. yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, Chica from uh, Passions was on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Barbara. Uh, Once again, older parents. Yes. So, he actually created that series. Really? Yes. And uh, apparently, the season one voice actor for Johnny he was grew up on Johnny Quest and although I have not seen season one of Johnny Quest he sounds like he really knew what he was doing yeah at least but do you know who voiced Johnny in season two aka this episode no I will give you a hint oh god he also was a 
recasted in, well, he was a recast in season two of a specific series with another teenage-aged, blonde-haired fellow. We've already talked about Johnny Test. (laughs) (laughs) His name is also Johnny. Johnny. Not Johnny Bravo. But because Johnny Bravo is a grown man, he's not a teenager. They've got fantastic superpowers. Oh, no. Oh. They got hit by cosmic Please rays. don't tell me that he's the one who did that god-awful no. song. That was a guy from 90210. Oh, dear God. But the man I'm referring to is Quentin Flynn. Okay, and he was J- Johnny Storm. In season two of the Fan- 90s Fantastic Four Fantastic Four. Don't need no more. <laughs> Damn right you don't. So... Yeah, you may know him as uh, Timon in several uh, Lion King projects. He was not Timon in the original Lion King, though. One half of a whole... He was not in one and a half either. No, I'm talking about (laughs) him and Pumbaa. Oh, yes. The ultimate dads. Yes, the ultimate dads. Simba's two fathers. Yes. Thank you. I've said my piece. I'm done here. (laughs) I just leave. (laughs) You decide to do the rest of the podcast alone. I guess uh, we'll move on to the next season. But yes, you'll you'll see... Uh, you've probably seen Quentin Flynn in Kingdom Hearts, a uh, red-haired character I don't know the name of. Uh, Roxas? Probably. I'm going to say something, probably just to be safe. Something, something, triangles under his eyes. Something, something... Friendship, something, friendship, something, darkness. Something, something, darkness, bees, Axel, Rose, I don't know. But he was also uh, Spider-Man in the Ultimate Alliance game. <gasps> he was Spider-Man. Yes, he was Spider-Man. He was Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> so yes, that was uh, Johnny Quest Eclipse. Would you? What did you think of this? Even though we've been pouring our love over this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, my immediate thought was me and Jenny have to binge watch this entire series now. Yes. Because it is... It really got us interested. Y'all are fixing to find out how much I love our next subject that we're fixing to compare this episode of Johnny Quest to. The fact that I feel like this little episode of this Johnny Quest series I didn't even know existed can stand in any way beside Scooby-Doo Zombie Island in terms of storytelling, in terms of acting, in terms of execution, in terms of animation, in terms of the whole thing. The... They these two pieces complement each other so well, and that means a lot coming from me. And that will be a perfect transition in our next competitor, Scooby Doo Zombie Island. Now available on video, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. It's Scooby Doo's first feature-length movie, available only on video from Warner Brothers Family Entertainment. Scooby Doo Zombie Island, you guys. Yes. So, I I grew up with this film, as many of us probably did, including you. Oh my god, yes. And it's really good. It's it's beautiful. What are you talking about? Really good. It's great. It is gorgeous. It's really an important part of the franchise. It's, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous, it's timeless, it's, oh god, they did so good. They did so well, you guys. So, a uh, little history on this. It, it was written by 
the same person that wrote the Eclipse episode. And that's why we are comparing. You're kidding me. That's why we're comparing those two today. Because of Zombie Island was adapted from this Eclipse episode. I'm not playing this up. I didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) This is crazy. Yes. It was written by the same guy. Well, Zombie Island was co-written by the same guy, but derived from his script from Eclipse, which was derived from a SWAT Cats unmade episode. Huh. Have you seen SWAT Cats? I remember seeing, like... I I remember whispers and legends from the deep annals of Boomerang at, like, two in the morning. <laughs> oh, it's really good. It's really good. It but... kind of makes me think of uh, Sam and Max a little bit, for yes. some reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they... Yeah, they do have that thing. They're both probably gay. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh, anything and everything we talk about, uh, think about, or touch is going to end up being gay in yes. some way. This is a very form. queer podcast because we are very queer people. Yeah. Yes. 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 But to give proper credit, it was Glenn Leopold. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. We love you. But Gl- Leopold had been working on Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo cartoons since Scooby-Doo, Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, which was a 1970s Scooby-Doo Oh my god, show. Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers, that was another one. I think he worked on that too. Basically, most of the team on uh, Scooby-Doo Zombie Island were, have been there since either the 70s or the 80s. Nice. Yes. So, which is really... Strange. When you get to work on Scooby-Doo, though, after it hit it big in the 70s, you do everything you can to stay on Scooby-Doo. But this was a little odd because of... This is very different from all of that. Oh, yeah. Especially, like, the Scrappy-Doo era, or the Dark era, as we Scooby-Doo fans like to refer to. Well, dark in terms of popularity, not dark in terms of subject matter. It was very zany, wacky. It was not our classic Scooby-Doo. Scoobert-Doo and the extended Doo family. But I will say, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo is great. It's great. Ghoul School is also great. Oh my god, Ghoul School! Basically, anything with Shaggy wearing a red shirt, you are completely safe. And experiencing real-life horrors, monsters, and paranormal things to then immediately turn around and be gaslit by (laughs) the rest of his reality. Yes. So, yes. But basically, the team that worked on this had... Almost complete creative freedom because Warner Brothers recently brought bought uh, Scooby Doo and Hanna Barbera and Turner. Yeah, who bought? So they were just like go nuts. And Turner bought Hanna Barbera earlier, and you know. Yeah. So they had the job of basically revitalizing Scooby Doo. Oh my god! And I did. Scooby Doo, if you couldn't tell from the output in the nineties, was going through a drought. Yeah. At the time, the only things we had was an Arabian Nights. Directed DVD film, with the, which was an anthology film. Scooby Doo was the Scooby Doo and Shaggy were like the hosts, I guess. All we really had was just a bunch of Scooby Doo merchandise without yeah. as much of the emotional connection to the character, other than he was cute but, in your pajamas. But we did have the Johnny Bravo Scooby Doo crossover, <gasps> Johnny Bravo, which was great and probably led to this because of a lot of the voice actors were reused for this. But anyways, well... I have a little bit of a blurb about this particular 
piece, if you don't mind me sharing. Do tell. Honestly, Scooby-Doo Zombie Island is a gorgeous feature-length animated film. And it's, it's a true horror story. It doesn't pull punches in telling a disturbing story with animation. And we don't get that a lot in Western animation. We really don't. No, we don't. The movie sidesteps a lot of the pitfalls that, um, that kind of riddle this genre. Um, like unnecessary gruesomeness for shock to pad poor lazy writing. None of that is in this movie. No. Because of this is Scooby-Doo, and yeah. we have the characters that we love and care about so much. But with it being these characters, these wholesome family names, they they didn't child-proof all the sharp edges Mm-mm. to the point that the story loses its, loses its meaning. I feel like this, this movie, as well as that particular episode of Johnny Quest, proves that true horror... For children, is possible. You just need the right mixture of storytelling elements and enough respect for the target audience to know that they what they can and can't handle. Because that's what I think a lot of these productions is missing, is respect for their target audience. The, I mean, the more... Ha- uh, just like with the Johnny Quest thing, the, 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 scare, uh, the scarier aspects of what goes on in the story is tempered with the classic characters, the classic faces, the classic dynamics, the classic humor. And at least Scooby-Doo Zombie Island, it has this... It's just, it's so rich in showcasing the flavors of the story's setting. There, there are times when, when this movie honestly feels like a love letter to Louisiana, which is... Wild. I mean, just just looking at the backdrops, the the amount of care, the amount of detail, the amount of passion, and knowing what what they were bringing to life with animation. Oh God, sorry. I, I, if you let me, I will gush for forever about this movie. Well, I think we should probably give proper credit to the people who animated this. Please do. Based these people. I'm sorry. Uh, Mook Animation animated this. They animated both uh, Johnny Quest's uh, The Eclipse episode and Zombie Island. That's why it looks so complimentary. Yes. And they specifically um, animated the season two episodes of Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah. Which, without the CG stuff. The, basically the stuff you That beautiful think about. transformation sequence that compelling... The animation. The compelling chase scenes... In the foggy Louisiana night. Ooh. Oh, goodness. They also animated Swat Cats, Biker Mice from Mars, yeah. the Spawn cartoon, X-Men Evolution, Aeon Flux, Transformers Animated, and the rest of the Scooby-Doo direct-to-DVD, well, direct-to-video films until Cyber Chase, and that was their final Scooby-Doo film. Oh, man, Cyber Chase was the freaking best. And Scooby-Doo has not looked better in this. Oh, my gosh, this well, is... You want to talk about a glow-up? Yeah, this is, like... This is on another level to Hanna-Barbera's Bar- previous ability. Because if Hanna-Barbera really stepped up their game in the 90s... It was, it's like going from applesauce to a red velvet cake. Yes. 
like applesauce to a fine wine. <laughs> I like red velvet cake better, but I mean, to each their own. Yes, to each their own. But Hanna-Barbera basically stepped their game up in the 90s, outsourcing their animation instead of producing it in-house and like mm. recycling animation. And Hanna-Barbera gets a bad rap on animation as they were just doing what they could with TV animation, and they really revolutionized TV animation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even though it was really cheap and kind of led to the downfall, well, not downfall, a bit of a dark... Yeah, a decline, a darker time for uh, animated films and theaters. Yeah. Because of, why would I go to the theater when I can watch it at home? The point was, though, that the storytelling was good. The characters were written well. of the storytelling Well, the characters were written well. The, The frame work of the stories was catchy and inspired empathy. That's one of the main things to me in anything from comics to animated movies is if the writing is good, you can recycle a drawing all you want. You can have shitty art if the story is good. The audience doesn't care because they care about the story. Yeah. The art is just icing on the cake. Yeah, you can give a pass to, like... Uh, camera work, uh, animation, all that. Like, people complain about the final uh, fight in Black Panther, but because of, like, they had to rush it out in, like, a few weeks. Hmm. Yeah. It that had to be hard on the actors. But it looks really good for, like, what they did. Yeah, what they the had to animated work with. The anima- animation studio did, and the people who worked on it did, and it's a really pivotal scene of the film, and, like draws emotion even oh, though yeah. like you don't care at the moment when you're watching it yeah because of you're just so in depth with the story you are in the experience yes it's when a jarring transition or a certain inflection of a voice actor or actor takes you out of the story that something's wrong yes but yeah if you have like good solid acting and uh, solid story solid storytelling like even, like, bad animation or bad filmmaking, well, yeah, that'll sell it. Like, even if the icing... Most on, likely. Even if the icing on the cake is shit, dude, you've got a freaking yeah, cake. The meat. You've got a cake. The meat of the production is the story and the acting. Yeah. But we're getting a little off track. Yes. Zombie Island. Let's start the plot synopsis. <laughs> Which one of us is doing this one? Well, both of us are doing it. <laughs> Obviously, how could I have been so blind? <laughs> so, we start out in a traditional Scooby-Doo... Setup. Yes, setup. Uh, there is big spooky set, castle. Like the the final five minutes or three minutes of a Scooby-Doo car- classic Scooby-Doo episode. Oh, yeah. Except on a very high budget. <laughs> very high budget. Yes, Y'all, this is budget. smooth as I'm butter. surprised that they did not put this in theaters, which... It's actually have. the original plan, but they... God, they should have! Warner Brothers thought it was a safer bet to put on direct DVD, which they probably regret now. Oh my god, yes! Even though it was a really big hit, they probably regret it because of... that. It could have been, been an bang. even bigger hit. And an even bigger franchise. Yes. <laughs> but Scooby-Doo is a gigantic franchise. Oh my gosh, yes. So they... Go th- go through the classic stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they're being chased by some masked monster in their... a spooky location. And, of course, through hijinks, chases, and traps. Now, I'd like to mention this. All right. Uh, 
Daphne, Velma, and Fred haven't been seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, outside of the Johnny Bravo mm-hmm. episode and uh, uh, the pup named Scooby-Doo. Yeah, just kind of... But that was their child version. So they were very different versions of those characters. Velma had her little yes. Dexter walk. Little Martian... Freaking red hair. I almost said Martian Manhunter. Uh, what's his name? Marvin. Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Mar- I'm so sorry, folks. An earth-shattering kaboom. Yes. Where is the earth-shattering kaboom? But we haven't seen adult Velma and adult Fred in, like... Decade. Yeah, decade. Yeah. Even more so for, like, Velma and Fred, because Daphne appeared in 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, because she's the hot one. Yes. <laughs> and she, she's capable. I oh, yeah, she's capable. Oh, my God, yeah, she's capable. They're, their personalities are so much more palpable and fleshed out. Yeah, and they, that really affected, like, the future productions of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. They, like, Fred is a uh, dope. Like, uh... But he's not stupid. Yeah, he's not stupid. He's a fool. Not, well, he's a Boy Scout. Yes, he's a Boy Scout, kind of the straight man, which leads him to kind of look like a fool on occasion. I, uh, Fred is awesome, man. Yes. And voice Mystery Incorporated. Especially Mystery Incorporated. They really go into how intricately he thinks out these strategies and plans and stuff. I love Fred. Don't. I love Fred too. That ascot wearing bastard is mine. Don't you talk. <laughs> don't you talk ill about my boy. But Fred is like a. He's more he's, focused on uh, he, the mystery. He's a Chad. Yes, he's a Chad. He's a Chad. Thank you. A darling, uh, sweet baby boy Chad. Daphne is more badass in oh this. Oh my gosh, And yes. she gets even more badass throughout her iterations after this. She's not, a, she's not like a killjoy, but she's, she's not overly serious. She's not a killjoy, but she's no nonsense. She also becomes... About certain uh, things. More, uh, not di- no, no, that's, driven. Yeah, driven. She's very driven. Yes, she knows what she wants, and she's going to she get gets it. it. She also, if you didn't notice this, uh, she doesn't fall into a trap. This no, not and, once. And like, Velma is just Velma, and Shaggy and Scooby are Shaggy and Scooby. Obviously. Now well, the plot snaps. They've kind of lost that spark. Yeah, they're kind of tired of always somebody in a mask. Well, at least. Daphne At least Daphne is. is. So, Daph- Fred calls them all of them up Daphne's, without Daphne knowing. Daphne's birthday is coming up. Yes, Daph- Daphne's birthday is coming up. Also, it should be said that none of them are happy. Yeah, none of none them, of are, them happy. are happy where they are. I think the happiest one out of all of them is Fred. Get all back together. We have like this wonderful reunion. <laughs> but like for anyone who's been keeping up for this with this franchise for like. It's felt like an eternity. Oh and seeing God. them all back together again. It, they are family. My it's... God, it's Velma, Daphne, and Fred again. They're back together. Yeah, and they're not doing any the idea. The idea of them growing apart is ridiculous. Yes. It's just like, no. So we, they go to Louisiana, I believe. Yes, yeah. they go to Louisiana. They, they go do to not Louisiana. go to Coast to Coast. No, no, no. Even no, though no. it's called Coast to Coast. Or as the... Woman in the little television interview called it Ghost to Ghost. <laughs> More like Ghost to Ghost with Daphne Blake. Ah. They go to Louisiana because even in the world of animation, that is a state that is notoriously haunted. Yes. So that's what draws them to that particular 
area looking for a real live ghost. That is what Daphne wants more than anything, is to be able to cover a story with a real, palpable, provable paranormal entity. And I feel that comes from her like history of like falling into all of these traps. Because of she has been the damsel in all of this, and maybe she wants to have like actual control over the situations. Yeah, yeah. So they go through Louisiana uncovering masks and phonies and all that. Beautiful montage. Yes. Beautiful montage. So many different aspects of Louisiana and New Orleans. Like, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. And do you know who wrote the wonderful song, It's a Fake? (laughs) No. In this montage. It was the co-writer of this film, as we previously mentioned. Really? So, yeah. Uh, as you can probably tell, well, uh, as you can probably tell, the music in this film is really great. Mm-hmm. And the co-writer of this film and Johnny Quest's Eclipse, we're just going to call it that, yeah. uh, wrote those two songs. You hear, The Ghost is Here. Or, it's a fake. And, what's this song again? All the trees begin to moan, bloody faces, terror. Terror time, yes. Oh, yeah, because I wrote excitedly in all capitals, early 2000s butt rock, fuck yes. Yes. So, in this great sequence, and I'm sorry I did not write the band name down, but thank you, band who performed this. Thank you, blah, 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 blah. Blah, so we appreciate you, whoever you yes. are, wherever you and are. And after this montage, we find uh, Daphne and the gang in Aluia's kind of a food market. Yeah, a food market, and we are introduced to one of the characters in this film. Yes, an and, original character. Yes, and l- named Lena. Now, can you guess who voices Lena in this? If you say it's the same lady who either voiced Jess or not. the vaguely European vampire sucker individual. Nope. Great a lot. No. That's my go-to, because I know it's not Tara Strong. Uh, it is Tara Sharon Dolph. Or you may know her as Tara Strong. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? I am fucking serious. That was her original name that she went by before she went with Tara Strong. I've been a goof. A goof. I've been a fool. A fool. A charlatan. <laughs> a rascal. But yes, we are introduced to Lena, who is the... We don't know this yet, but has darker purposes. Yes, but very much a similar feel as the beautiful seductress of the Johnny Quest that she kind of lures the gang in via Freddy with just her charm. But with Zombie Island, she's genuinely just charming. And just like oh, you you guys are looking for a ghost? I I work at a haunted place if y'all want to, you know, come check it out. So they go over and uh, you you can't just gloss over my boy. I'm not gonna gloss over. You cannot gloss over my boy. I will not. So they go to the dock, and on the mystery machine, they put it on a boat. It's, a ferry. Yes, a ferry. And we are Not introduced to the ferryman. Yes. And you probably want to go with, 
introduced to this character. Jim Cummings, yes. my dad. Jim Cummings, the ferryman. Yes. And if little known fact, he was actually a ferryman. Really? Yes, it was part of his bucket list when he was like in his late teens, mid-twenties. Ironic well, that one of the only things on my bucket lists is to meet him and not like immediately cry. <laughs> <laughs> is My question is, is that one of the first times we get to hear his uh, Cajun impression? If it's an impression or if it's like... Some... It is not natural. Okay. It is an impression. It was. It's an impression of the guy he worked with. Ah, that's why it's boat. so good because it's not just an accent; it's the cadence to the way he speaks. Like I can tell that he either it's either natural or it comes from somebody who is. Yes, and that's one of the first times we kind of hear the voice of Raymond that we will eventually fall in love with and cry over in Princess and the Frog, Disney's Princess. I and believe the, Frog. the first time he we actually heard it was Leatherhead in TMNT 1987. Ah. Uh. So, it is not the first time for us. Well, It was the first you know. time for me. Yes, it was the first time for you. In my personal experience with my father. But yes, they meet Big Mona. Am I saying... Yes, yes Big Mona. Big Mona, a unusually large and tenacious catfish. Also, do you know who voices the... Well, the not the catcher. The want-to-be catcher of Big Mona. Oh, his voice seems familiar. Mark Hamill. Of course it is. You may know him as Luke Skywalker and the Joker. So, yes, we are introduced to wannabe fishermen after these hijinks and Big Mona. And they don't really they are affect the dads. plot much, but they are... They flavor They are it. great set pieces. Yeah, they, they, they flavor the, the, the yes, they story. Yes, they make it more believable. <laughs> they broaden the world. Yes. So that it's not just the pinpoint of what is going on in the immediate story. There's a world existing... And co-inhabiting with the story. Yes. So we are we eventually go to the plantation, and we are introduced to after, a gardener. After traveling through the swamp, they get to this yes. kind of island where there's this pepper plantation. Uh, zombie island. <laughs> zombie island on which there is this very peculiar pe- pepper plantation, and even more comp- comp- ah, and even more peculiar and ornery gardener. Yes. Continue. And do you know who voices the gardener? Oh, you know I don't. <laughs> it is Ken Clark. Know him. You may know him as the voice of 1987 Leonardo. And Dude. the singing voice of Simba and Simba in many of the other Lion King projects where See, Matthew Broderick does not voice Simba. Talking people that aren't real and I will understand. Yes, he also voices He-Man and <gasps> Prince Adam in the 2002 are reboot. You... Oh. <laughs> oh, there was a 2002 reboot? Yes, we will get there to that soon. Please tell me we get to do She-Ra. Yes, I will do. shit and go blind if we get we to do She-Ra. We will do She-Ra. <laughs> you suckers don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Y'all better buckle in, babies. But, uh, well, we do have one more voice acting trivia when we are introduced to the woman of the house. Yes, the lady of the house. Let me find... There you are. So, do you know who voices her? You, didn't you tell me that was Grey Delau? That it was is not Grey Delau. God damn it, who was she? It is Adrian Bardu. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Or Bardu. Adrian, hold on, let me see, let me see it. Adrian Bardu. Okay, hold on, where is it, where is it, where is it? 
right there. Babo. 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 Well, I took French. Yes. <laughs> I remember nothing. Don't ask. So you may know her as well. You probably not you for these first two: Stevie Wayne in The Fog, uh huh, Wilma in Creep Show, not ringing a bell, and Catwoman in Batman the Animated Series. That's it. There we go. Oh God. I'm sorry. Give me a second. <laughs> I need to swoon. Let me swoon. So yes, we are introduced to the woman of the house, and she is not very a big fan. She's not a big fan of Scooby Doo because of he is a dog, and she is very much a cat lady. Yes, a big cat lady. <laughs> big as in she's got like eighty cats. Also, Scooby Doo kind of trashed the yard, so chasing after these cats, proving that he's not good with them, like he garbled. Also, I'd like to bring up the line. Oh, I didn't know that you brought a dog along with you. Dog? Where? I hated that she shit when I was little. He's a person. I'm just like, you fucking know what she's talking about. <laughs> he's adorable. I love Scooby-Doo so like, much. Don't you fucking lie to me. <laughs> I'm talking about Scooby. Scooby doesn't need to lie to me. It's like, you fucking know what she means. But we are introduced to the house and all this... And we get to a haunting where we are, where we have our first introduction to a ghost. Yes. That could have been worded better, but okay. Hey, it was words. It Words we, count. We are the ones that apply meaning to the noise that comes out of our mouths. Yes. So, uh, after that, they're like, oh, this could have... This isn't really proof, is it? Yeah, like there's then, always an explanation. There's, there's always, always an, an explanation. explanation. And then... Velma, my favorite, Darling gets angel. lifted up into the, well, not into, into the air, and people are like, no, oh, there's line, there's gotta be lines, or a fan, or something. Velma, the most astute of any of them, it's just like, uh, no, I can definitely feel and yeah. see there is nothing here, I am levitating, and Daphne is getting an awesome upskirt opportunity, <laughs> and I'm just like, go for it, baby. Go for it. Go for it. I hope I wrote that diet line down. If I didn't... Vilma commenting, maybe from where you're standing. Yes, that's the line. Okay, so then we we go to the kitchen. I should mention, I think, that the two ladies of the house, the lady of the house and her... Daughter? No, not daughter. Her... Daughter in quotation marks? Her... Employee. A boy. They're, they're very charming. Like they're they're just normal. Yes. Completely and utterly I mean, the normal. The lady of the house is a bit rough around the edges. She's but... kind of not stern exactly. She's a little stiff. It's I think largely because of the of the whole dog situation. But not in the, like the portrayal or the writing or anything. Just no. like she's not as friendly as the as the woman Lena. who works for. Yeah, Lena. But yes, uh, uh, we go to no, yeah, we skipped that part. Oh well. Uh, where do we go next? Okay, we have the levitation. Um, the the haunting that was occurring was writing was appearing on the wall as if something invisible right. was carving into the paint, telling them to out. And upon reviewing the video later, they see 
the very clear image of what appears to be an infamous pirate of local history, um, Captain, Captain Moonscar. Moonscar, after whom the island on which the plantation sits is named Moonscar Island. And they're trying to be like, it's a hologram. It's like, well, then why didn't we see him when we watched this get carved into the wall? There was also, nothing there. Instead of a clue that was left behind, it's a clue that actually happened in front of you. Yeah, yeah, they were watching this thing carve. But the thing is, they weren't watching anything. It was just carving that was happening spontaneously. Yes. And that is terrifying. So, after watching that video, uh, Velma goes into the kitchen and uh, starts uh, scratching at the wall a bit. Yeah, like she freaking owns the place. It's like, excuse me. I mean... You don't live here. I think she has a... Bit of a right after. No, she does not. Being lifted into the air. <laughs> as big as this house, this house is old and costs a lot of money. A lot of money that Velma Dinkley does not have. Watch yourself. So you she scrapes the wall up. Little shit. So so she scrapes the wall up. Like takes a spatula and just takes off huge chunks of paint. And it's revealed that it is the. Part of the ship that landed. The house was partially built out of wood from Moonscar's ship. Yes. And so we move on. Well, we get another interview with him. And the lady of the house isn't really shocked by this. No, she's like, yeah, I I live in a haunted house. As a lot of people apparently who live in very haunted houses are like, yeah, my house is haunted. Yes. You don't believe me? Spend the night. You'll believe me then. (laughs) Hmm. So, uh, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, they get, go out of the house. They're, they're kind of constantly having to scoot away because between Scooby and the cats not getting along, they kind of try and leave the lady of the house to Daphne and her investigation. Yes. Well, they just look for something to eat. Yes. So they go... They go, and eventually Scooby sees some cats and goes chasing after them, mm-hmm. and then he gets a frog cat st- stuck in his head, and he tries to get it off. Funny hijinks, blah, 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 blah. And then they... Bongos happen. Yes. And then they get, uh... They get interrupted in these hijinks by the pig, and then they get chased... Well... We didn't mention the pig before. The... Yes. The guy who is frantically trying to catch this legendary catfish, Big Mona, does not have a hunting dog. He has a hunting pig. Because they're more reliable. They're more reliable. They have (laughs) just as good noses. They're just as fierce. So they get chased by the pig, and eventually they fall into a giant hole. A, like, grave-sized hole. Yes mysterious. Yeah, and it's so deep that they can't just climb out. Like Shaggy is scrabbling at the at the walls and trying to like grab onto some roots sticking out and it just causes dirt to fall on their heads. Yep. And then they um eventually they they don't know this, but well they don't notice, but uh some spirity thing ectoplasm is about just crawls into the dirt and brings out all these bones and then well when he was trying to climb out there remember he he accidentally pulled down some dirt and like a skeletal hand oh yeah fell that was terrifying so uh, so beautifully beautifully executed because that was just like it uh, 
the foc- the amount of focus on it was perfect. The amount of detail and the fact that this is a human remain. This is yes. a piece of a real human remain that is just suddenly in your face. And you are in a hole you cannot get out of. And then this spirity thing like recollects all of these bones and grows its flesh. Yeah, it congeals into the form and of... And it's gorgeously done it's again. It's so beautiful. Again, just the sinew regrowing and recongealing into a shell of what it might have been in life. This animation studio loves its transformation sequences. Oh my gosh, and they're flaunting what they have. They're, oh, yes. They, th- these people are flexing, and I'm just like, babies, go for it. <laughs> they are talented, and they know it. They fucking know it! So, have, oh yes, Shaggy gets out of the hole. Through fear, he levitates in running, already running. He enters his final form and levitates out of the ground and grabs Scooby-Doo. Shaggy is God, by the way. Yes, Shaggy is a super saiyan god. Shaggy is God. (laughs) So, they run away and then they... Don't they run into the gardener? Yes, they run into the gardener and... He's just like, What are you doing here? He's also weirdly, like, young and, like, svelte. Yes. Like, he's not, like, what you would normally think of in a Scooby-Doo thing with a cranky gardener. You think of, like, some old man with, like, maybe a yes, blind eye uh, or something. These rotten kids are trapping old tulips! <laughs> but no, he looks... Young. He looks handsome. Like, he's just... He's like, he seems out of place in his profession. Yes. There's a reason for so that. So he, <laughs> well, Shaggy bumps into him and says, if you want to plant something, guy, there's a course right behind us. He's like, where? I don't see anything. Yep. <laughs> they don't, he the, doesn't. The world just wants to gaslight Shaggy until he completely <laughs> loses his fucking mind. He already thinks his dog can talk. <laughs> I mean, the dog can talk. But nobody, no, it, but nobody brings it up. It was a joke. It was a goof. It was a goof. A gaff. A gaff. Yes. But the gardener is surprisingly not as, like, standoffish as he was. Yeah. Like, he does... He's not like, y'all are crazy. He's just like, I don't see anything. Oh, a corpse, you say. Huh. That certainly doesn't align with anything I was already Uh doing. Perfect setup for future events. Sketchy grumbling. (laughs) Ah, tits. Ignore that. Ignore that. (laughs) So... Uh, we go later in the night. Uh, they're getting ready for dinner. Shaggy gets ready for dinner, and he basically looks the same. Yeah. And while in front of the mirror, he sees a Civil War general. Yeah. Confederate, specifically. Unfortunately, yeah. Yes, unfortunately. And I want to go into that, though, if we can at some point. We can right now. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we can't, Let's keep going with the plot, and then I'll go into... The amazing writing and okay. execution. <laughs> so we discover after Shaggy alerts the entire household. Loses it. Yes. As is his want. And we find out that it is a mirror owned by this former, well, formerly alive, yeah. Civil War general. There was apparently a faction of, this, of the Confederate Army that passed through uh, Moonscar Island. Or at least, they came into Moonscar Island. Something happened. They came into the swamp, at least. Yes. And if you know anything about any kind of swamp, a lot of people go in and very few ever come out. Yeah. Unless you 
really know what you're doing. So, we do not go to dinner with Shaggy and Scooby. We go, well, we kind of do. We We go go to the van. We go to the van. Because we were kicked out of the kitchen. Yes. Well, not the kitchen, the dining room. Because cats. Yes, cats. But they got a big pot of shrimp. I think it was... Crawfish. Crawfish. Yes, crawfish. Oh, man, they made the food look good. Not like Disney level of food looking good. But they did pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, they did great. Oh, man, and the, the, the heat, showing the heat of the pepper. Oh, my God. So they... The heat of the peppers. Yes, the heat of the peppers. They've got these, like, ghost peppers, basically, that only grows on this island. So after some hijinks, they uh, go deeper into the woods with a mystery machine. Because there's cats and then corpses. Corpses, yes. Corpses rise out of the ground. And this is so beautiful to me, is the eclectic nature of the zombies. I mean, we have pirates. We have clearly like colonial people that don't seem to be affiliated with the pirates. We have mobsters. We have Civil War era um, army men. We have... Tourists. Pe- tourists. Like what looks to be like people off of a cruise ship now. Yeah. And like, I thought that was it's beautiful, amazing, and terrifying. When I was little, yeah, and we I still do. Don't exactly know what's happening at the moment. No, no, no. We no, don't no. know the connection between Moonscar and the Civil War general. And like, and... But I've never seen anything like that in any zombie thing ever. But this movie is this just kind of blanket statement of everyone. This happens to no one is safe. So they run through the mystery. Well, they run to the mystery machine. Am I right? Yeah. I yes, think. I'm right. At one point, there was a corpse on top that while they oh, were oh yes, there was a corpse on top driving, <laughs> like driving because the literal hounds of hell are after them, so they think yes. So Daphne, Fred, Shaggy—well, Shaggy is not there. Shaggy's not there. Velma, he is God, but and the gardener go out looking into the forest because of obviously they can hear screams. Yes, and they split up, but of course that's always a good idea, especially <laughs> Daphne. Wants to go with the gardener. And Fred's like... No, Velma wants to go with the gardener. Oh, no, no, no. Daphne wants to go with the gardener because she's getting back at Fred for falling for Lena's flirtations. Fred, we should split up. Daphne, okay. I'll go with... I'll go with the gardener. Bad idea. <laughs> he, he's dummy thick. I know what to do And then this. Velma goes with the gardener and... Because uh, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. With my adorable freckles and bowl oh, cut. yes. So, look like coconut coconut head's mother. Y'all holler if y'all know what I'm talking about next. Declassified babies. <laughs> so, uh, Fred and Daphne, we don't really focus on them, but no, 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 we do because they managed to catch capture one of the. Well, they managed to incapacitate one of the corpses, and they're like, ah, oh, we're finally gonna have. Or Daphne's like, oh, we're finally gonna have video footage of a real live ghost, a real live zombie, and Fred this whole time has been very steadfast in, no, it is always somebody in a mask, and we have this lovely animation of him trying to take the mask off, and just the squelching, and the stretching, uh, just, and the, the, the saliva in the mouth, just dripping between the teeth, and just the gooey, stretchy, 
just cankeredness of like, it, basically. Cool. It's not gory. It's not gory. Not it's at all. It's just, um, it's the right it's amount. It's unnerving. It's unnerving. It's unnerving. It makes your skin crawl, but it doesn't make you flinch away. Yeah. That is part of what I think is the masterfulness of the execution of this movie. But needless to say, Fred pulls a man's head off. And then we go into the, oh yeah, and Daphne flip this man over her sh- her back because of like she's a yeah, badass. She now. fucking drop kicked that bitch. <laughs> also, she flung Shaggy over her back by accident. Oh yeah, and Shaggy weighs like ten million pounds. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he is thin, but he is dense. Dense. What happened with Velma and the Gardener? I yeah, don't remember. That's what I was getting to. I think I think Meanwhile, we got into a lot of like. Yeah, they I were, don't trust you. I don't trust you. Like, I'm and trying then, to do something. And then the gardener uh, gains her trust just a bit. Just a touch. When he throws a rock at a quicksand. Yeah. To try to warn Velma. But, I mean. Because she was fixing to step into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I guess she wouldn't believe him if he just told her because, well, like, I think you're he, a suspect. I think he tried to, like. Tried to make her stop walking, and yeah. she thought he was like grabbing at her. And she's like, "What the hell? I don't trust you. You don't get to touch me." And he's just like, "Look!" And he throws the rock, and it's quicksand, and that's not how I don't I don't think that's how quicksand works. But it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Shh, it's okay. Everybody, shh, it's okay. And then we go to uh, the terror time montage, and eventually everyone bumps together. Not Jackie and Scooby. They go off somewhere on their drug trip. Yep, and Velma. Daphne, Shaggy, I mean, damn it, Fred, and the gardener. Who, that's the one that Daphne, like, drop-kicked over her, what do you call that? She, like, seismic tossed him. Yeah. I think that's a Pokemon move. Anyway, but this man is, like, over 200 pounds. And she was just, like, freaking bad touch. Fuck with me. I'm Daphne Blake. Yeah. So, we go to, back to the mansion... And, uh, Lena and... Lena is in a tizzy. She's like, oh, they took, they took the madam. They, they drug her away. And, yes, and the lady of the house... Is missing. Yes. So, we discover a... Secret passage. Yes, in the staircase. Yeah, the staircase opens up into this, like, cave system, almost. And, uh, quickly, we, Velma figures out, oh... We, the, we, she wasn't dragged away. She walked in here. Because we see our girl Velma checking those footprints and like, that is some definition on that heel-toe heel step of somebody walking down. She's picked a few things up from This cave. <laughs> walking down this cavernous hallway. Yes. She wasn't dragged, needless to say. And Shaggy and Scooby are running around and eventually they both bump into the ferryman. Yeah, and they're like, oh, thank God, get us out of here. And meanwhile... Meanwhile, shit is going down. Yes. Oh, we forgot the voodoo dolls. Yeah, during the shenanigans where Shaggy and Scooby were by themselves, but before the whole gang, before the most recent early 2000s butt rock montage of everybody running from corpses. They found the voodoo dolls. They found these wax likenesses of their friends in a cave that they stumbled upon. And they played with them a little bit, unknowingly, like Velma, Daphne, and Freddy, off somewhere else, were moving not of their own accord, like, what, the Jesus? (laughs) It's like, Jesus can't help you now! 
So we yeah. return to that same yeah, cave now. Yeah, we return to the same cave with Lena, Freddie, Daphne, the lady Velma, of the house. The and gardener. the gardener, and we find the lady of the house. And they've got voodoo dolls of everyone except Shaggy and Scooby because of their idiots. We didn't even waste our magical wax, magical and they revealed wax. themselves because as that's the catch people. They are. Can I? I'm going. May I go on the morality blurb now yes. for a second? These were not all good people, and I'm talking about the zombies. Some of them did deserve. Some of them did deserve what happened to them. Yes. What the pirates did to Lena and Simone. Lena and the Lady, Lady of, of the, the House. house. <laughs> um, what they did to them was atrocious. Yeah. It was evil. So, so they kind of did deserve what happened to them. This doesn't lessen the good that these zombies are doing, though, in the boundaries of this story. Just like the horrible thing, that the horrible event that gave birth to the evil that Simone and Lena did doesn't excuse the fact that they committed evil. Like, just yeah. because they were righteous in seeking out vengeance doesn't excuse what they are doing and have been doing over and over and over again, no matter who it was, for 200 years. Like, the the storytelling in this movie is well, gorgeous. Because it's a great, like, lesson to kids because of, like, or anyone watching this, because of, like, it's not, the event does define you, but it's what you do with that event is and the thing. It's it's not always a one thing defines you forever. It's yeah. like you are a sum of your parts. The pi- what the pirates did was evil. Yes. And they are going to burn for that. And they have been burning for two hundred years. That's not gonna stop. But the event but that happened in, to them in the story, in the in the in the framework of this story, they help. Yeah. Because they are hurting. And they don't want anyone else to hurt. The event uh, changed Lena and the Lady of the House into, into monsters. monsters, even though they were probably decent people. Probably. They experienced a uh, horror of... <sighs> they were religious outcasts, perhaps, and then... As many were, as many are that come to America. Yeah. They were colonials and... Came with some made-up pagan religion of worshipping a cat god that was very Egyptian-looking in origin in terms of the iconography used in the in the movie. Um, but, but they, instead, well, they could have just set the record straight with the pirates, but they kept going because if they wanted that power. Yeah. And... Like, I wonder if, the, if it changed who they were, not just what they looked like. Like, it... <sighs> We're not even explaining what happened. Turns out, these ladies are 200 years old. Ex- almost exactly like the beautiful, hypnotizing woman from the Johnny Quest episode yes. that lured in victims that she needed to leech the life source from so she could continue to live and be youthful forever. So, too, were Lena and Simone. But they have a more understandable reason for why it started. Yeah. That is the only part that is understandable, is why it started. It's when they came to the island as kind of religious outcast pilgrims, 
with a pagan cat deity. They had settled on this island in the swamp. And then they were invaded by pirates. By pirates. And then they were mostly killed. Not Not directly by the pirates, though. That's the delicious part of this flashback, is... The artistry of how they told the part of a children's story where innocents were killed. The, it, it was so beautifully handled. It, it wasn't, like like I said before, It nothing in this movie is unnecessarily gruesome. But it, this particular scene, this flashback, is raw and haunting. And they don't pull back from what the scene means. This scene for a kid's movie, supposedly. We see dark featureless humans being driven into waist-deep water by the pirates. Just dark, featureless figures. And we just see the clear silhouettes of alligators just descend. The view immediately changes to the horrified and anguished faces of Lena and Simone as they watch everyone they know and love. We see only their expressions as they watch. And we hear nothing but screams, teeth, and splashing water. I am 26, and I have chill bumps right now. The same chill bumps that I have gotten since the first time I watched this movie. It's really good. Essentially, it's like the same filmmaking editing choice. Like, if you want to get like a more PG-13 rating... Instead of, like, showing a guy go splat on the ground when pushed off a roof, uh, you... But the emotional impact is exactly the same. They do not dull that edge. Yeah. You push the guy off the roof. Well, in the story, you push the guy off the roof, but you cut away to the guy that pushed the guy off the roof. And you just hear it. And you just see the guy go, ugh, gross, or or splat, or something. hear a... A watery crunch, maybe. It's still the same effect, except less gruesome. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's the point of why both of these pieces are so beautifully done. Because it is horror that can be digested by anyone. Exactly. And you still get the same gut punch. You still get the same... <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, it, make, it honestly makes me speechless. It's great. But yes, the... Events defined well. The events changed Lena and the Lady of the House to the worst because they chose that path, and the pirates they, and the Confederate yeah. soldiers changed for the better because of what happened to them and yeah. what hell they've been through. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Ex- they're going to escape the hell that they still have earned. Exactly. What after the tragedy, Lena and Simone had prayed to their cat god for the power to take vengeance. And their cat god blessed them by turning them into werecats, which they then used to fuck up those pirates. Like, there was probably not... I don't think there was a shred of flesh left, put like, still stuck together. Nope. So, we go from flashback to the present day, and... They have to keep feeding on the, the souls, the life force of anyone who comes to their island. And they also have to do something with the moon. Yeah, I believe yeah. it's a harvest moon. Uh, 
every yeah, every har- harvest moon. I remember that every yes. harvest moon. Instead of an eclipse, <laughs> we must drink the life force of anyone who comes to our island, so that we may continue to live as we have. I'm good at voices. Yeah, me too. Yay! And then we cut to Shaggy and Scooby finding out that the ferryman is actually another cat person because they hired this guy because they need present transportation. Yeah, they need somebody to bring people to their island, so they needed a ferryman. The ferryman did not want to die as an old man, so he was just like, hey, I don't mind being a furry. (laughs) So we get to... Uh, more shenanigans with Scooby and Shaggy, and they run into the main plot that's happening, and and of course they're just like what what the, there was this there's that what and eventually the gang gets free and they the, have been incapacitated because of the voodoo dolls yes and the harvest moon passes the cat people melt beautiful oh gorgeous and delicious yes. Uh, I love I love the screams. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I love their screams. It's, it's valuing voice acting. Ah, uh, it's beautiful. So everything's cleared up because it turns out the gardener was an undercover cop or agent, and he had been researching all these disappearances. Yep. Over the course of, and he was digging so all weird. these holes because he was looking for bodies yeah little did he know they were undead bodies he was he was just a few feet to the right i think yeah (laughs) he was almost there almost yeah Uh, the part that really gets me and brings me back to the whole subjectivity of morality in within the within the frame of the story is the ghost of the confederate general and what the Confederacy stood for, obviously, was atrocious yeah. and will never be allowed. It will never be dignified. He looked at the at the group, saluted them, and said, Thank y'all. And disappeared into nothingness. Exactly. To go to whatever afterlife he has earned. And that is beautiful. Excellent. So, yes, everything gets cleared up. Yeah. <laughs> And the gang goes on the new ferry boat, I presume. Oh, didn't they just hitch a ride with the grumpy uh, Mark Hamill? I don't think so. I thought they did. Or maybe, no, might not, have been police. They may have brought police in. Oh, Yeah, because he was just like, I'm agent something, something or other. Shit's gone down. <laughs> yeah. And if Hamill gets a little flirty, it's bullshit. Yeah, heteronormative <laughs> bullshit. But we do get a hint that he could be a mystery writer. I don't think we'll ever we get that conclusion. Maybe in the sequel, which we haven't watched. We haven't watched because I need to emotionally prepare myself. I need to fast for at least a month. So we get a little, tiny bit of a cliffhanger with the cats gathering around Scooby, and the movie ends. Yeah, because obviously cats are uh, guardians of the veil. Being able to see beyond it and travel back and forth between dimensions. So, as you can probably tell, we really, 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 really like this movie. I could keep talking, but we are literally running out of time. (laughs) But the framework of both stories are exceedingly similar. Both set in the same place for similar reasons. Both 
have the main characters drawn in by a beautiful stranger with wicked wiles or hypnotic powers. And the uh, male servant is definitely like a prototype gardener type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except he's actually good this time. Yeah, they, they switched it from, from bad to good. And the soul sucking, and I have so many thoughts as to why this story in both iterations took place. Why, where the inspiration for so much of it comes from is just, it's Louisiana. I mean, it is a melding pot of cultures and histories and mythologies and ghost stories. It has such a haunted history. The The life-sucking aspect of both stories, I definitely think, was largely inspired by, like, the... Uh, the Vampire Diaries, the of uh, the the trilogy written by Anne Rice about a vampire living in New Orleans, Louisiana, and living the vampire lifestyle, or coming to terms with the vampire lifestyle, and the werecat aspect, specifically of Zombie Island, very much I can almost guarantee comes from the very rich local folklore in Louisiana in the swamplands of the Rougarou or the Loup-Garou, which is a werewolf. Like, the stories of werewolves coming from France to Canada, then down to Louisiana with the Creole people. And, um, even the cat deity. Like, New Orleans specifically, obviously, had, like, like everywhere with any kind of culture, went through fads. And there was a very strong fad, don't remember quite when, but... A throwback to ancient Egypt, like ancient Egyptian uh, imagery, and people decorated, you know, their houses with like ancient Egyptian-looking, like columns or paintings, murals, like even using images of the ancient gods. And I think that might be where that particular thing came from. But just Louisiana being, I think, what makes Louisiana and New Orleans especially such a perfect setting for an American horror story is because it is such a cultural patchwork of African Americans coming over and mixing Catholicism with their African religions to create voodoo that outsiders would see as maybe witchcraft. And then the white elite wanting to kind of enjoy their wealth and harken back to what they consider to be their roots. So there's all this beautiful throwback architecture to old France, old England. And when you think of these movie monsters, when you think of a vampire, you think of the foggy streets of London. When you think of a werewolf, you think of a little French town being ravaged. And these places have mirrors in Louisiana. And it's just old as balls, so everything's haunted. So, given a choice, would you watch this again? Zombie Island or The Eclipse? If I wasn't doing this, I would be watching it right now. <laughs> Don't even talk to me. Oh, yes. Both? Yes, obviously. Yes. I want, like, I'm just like, we need, to, we need to binge watch the rest of Johnny Quest. Yes. We might need to skip over the Code Lyoko stuff, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but that also answers my question. Did you this interest you in watching more? Yes. Oh my gosh, I am hungry for more. And uh, 
Which one would you prefer to watch more? I have to give it to Zombie Island. Yeah. I just have to. Out of... Uh, out of loyalty, out of just... It is a beautiful piece. It is a masterwork of animated feature-length films and specifically horror targeted at a general art audience. Like, that niche genre in Western animation, Western movies, has so few gems. And Zombie Island very well could be the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. Indeed. And just... just... Zombie Island is also my answer because of, like... It's just so important to, like, the Scooby-Doo franchise. Like it's just... It's... From start to finish, all thriller, no filler. I mean, in other pieces, the lengthier one might not be the one you choose. But yeah. with Zombie Island, every second of it, you enjoy. You And you it just take has... In. A- profound effect on the franchise that both of us really love and a profound impact on the audience like yeah you feel the same watching it now as you did when you were 10 years old watching it for the first time airing on cartoon network yeah it's just eclipse gave us zombie island and we should respect that and if you didn't know well now you do, so... Y'all go check it out. Yeah, give give the people some love that made this stuff. Yeah. It's fantastic. But I gotta give it to Zombie Island because of... It's just... It's a has more history to it. It's just... It's more valuable to me, I guess. It's honestly, In a personal way. It's co- Same. Samesies. Mm. It's honestly comparing the rough draft to... The final masterpiece. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Not that the rough draft can't is, be just is, as cherished yeah. because it's just as important. Because without that rough draft, there wouldn't be a masterpiece. Exactly. So, I guess this brings us to the end of the podcast. Of our pilot episode. Of our pilot episode. This is not the end of our podcast. We will be going on, hopefully, hopefully. for many years. <laughs> if you guys like it. Yes. And please share. Share your thoughts. Yes. Give us your opinions. Give us some feedback. Just be kind to one another. Yes, please. And, uh, at the end of our, our little thing, we'd like to do a selection for our next episode. Yep. And since our valuable co-host, Roz, gave us Zombie Island versus Eclipse. This is going to be up to chance. You decide our fates. Which one of us will you kill? Well, you don't decide our fates. Chance decides our fates. I'm going to eat you. Random number generator. She's typing into her phone, folks. Da 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 da. And we have a four. <gasps> Quattro. Oh. Now, would you want to do Supernatural? What is it being compared to? Supernatural. Oh, fuck. Unless. Unless. Well, not unless. I don't have it on today. We can re-roll. 
Nah, we need to stick to our guns. Okay. It's Supernatural, but which episode? Da, 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 da. Oh, it's the Supernatural episode Skin versus Supernatural the Animation, the Alter Ego. Okay. Is this one where there was Scooby-Doo or no? No, it Damn is it. not. We will eventually get to that. We so, better. with that, folks, we you have you your... Adieu. We bid you adieu. You have your topic for next time. So please watch those, and we will watch them as well. And please come back. <laughs> if you want to. If we're you not, want to. We're not going to pressure you guys. If you enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah and let us, let us know what you enjoyed. Let us know what you agreed with, what you disagreed with. If y'all have anything to add, we'd love to hear it. And this has been the Cartoon Contrast Broadcast. And good night, everyone. <laughs> See ya.